Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. So excited to be joined by today's guest, outfielder for the Toronto Blue Jays organization, finishing the 2023 season with the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Alan Rodon, welcome to the walk-off, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks again for having me. And uh, like I said, it should be fun. It will be fun to start. Before we get too into this, I do want to say, man, a big congratulations to you on a very successful 2023 season. Just so everyone is aware, you kind of got drafted 2022, had that half season in Dunedin in the Florida State League where, you know, you were just getting your feet wet in professional ball, OPS of 685. Fast forward to 2023, and dude, both Vancouver and New Hampshire, you Found your swing, man. You finished the season with an 889 OPS. Well done. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you breaking that down for me and, and the, the listeners. But uh, yeah, it was a good season and uh, just kind of keep the momentum going. What are you doing right now? Where are you? So I actually got back to Wisconsin yesterday. Um, I'm back home for, for the holidays for, for uh, the United States Thanksgiving. Uh, I know Canada's, Canada's Thanksgiving was a little bit earlier, but uh, we're this week. And um, so just back home for a week and, but, but full time, I live in Florida now. So just training at the, the Blue Jays facility in Dunedin. Um, and, you know, I kind of, I kind of enjoy the weather here a little bit more than the weather in Florida. I, I enjoy a little bit of cold, but yeah, that's basically, that's basically what I'm doing right now. Well, uh, you're ready for Canada then. Humidity is just <laughs> not something that I can handle. It's so funny because Florida is beautiful. But every time I'm there, I'm like, how do they do it? It's just so sticky and wet all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yesterday, the day I left, it's what? November. It was November 20th. It was 82 degrees. It's just I can't handle that year round. I need a yeah. little bit of cold. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you shut down completely at the end of a season? Like, do you give yourself a month of, of no baseball at all? Or are you always swinging and staying in form? Yeah. Um, after this season, it was pretty much immediately just got right back to it. Um, we, I went down actually to back down to the Florida facility and, and did some things that the Blue Jays had, had set up for, for some of the other players, but really I, I, I found that, you know, it's just best to jump right in. You know, we don't really have the the grace to take time and, and recover because, you know, we're in that grind. We're in that period of our career, hopefully, where, you know, if you if you take the time now and, and really grind it away now, um, you know, you'll you'll reap the benefits later on. Looking back on 2022, I'm really curious if there was again, you're brand new to affiliate baseball. You're just starting as a pro. Was there anything that caught you off guard or anything that kind of surprised you about affiliate baseball? Yeah, I think, I think a good way to say it was, I don't know if it was a surprise um, just because, you know, you kind of know what to expect in terms of, you know, you play every day now, 
Um, you expect an uptick in, you know, the, the level of play, the level of pitching that you're facing, but definitely another way to say it, that I would, it, it's just a lot of different adjustments to make, um, going from college baseball to affiliate baseball. It's, um, you know, it's, it's more about the individual player. Uh, you know, you care about the things that you have to to do on the daily are getting yourself ready to play and um, making sure that you're ready to play versus, um, you know, being maybe being a little bit more like team aligned, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And not, not, not to say that in affiliate ball, you know, you don't care about your teammates or you don't care about winning. Um, not at all, actually. I think a focusing on that makes, you know, your own individual performance a little bit easier, but just in general, the way your your brain, your mind goes about playing the game, um, it, it is definitely a little bit of an adjustment. So, and, you know, for me, I think too, um, you know, just a long road and, you know, you come off a, a high of getting drafted and all the excitement that's with that and, and getting in a new situation. And then, you know, you just get kind of placed in a, in a situation where you got to grind away every day. And it's, um, there are some adjustments to make and it was, it was a really great learning lesson for me and, and just to, to get a taste of what, what affiliate baseball is like and um, take, take some good, some lessons from that and, and grow. From it that. must've been weird too, to also have all this excitement of getting drafted and you're starting your career as a pro baseball player, but then also you're moving across the country. Right. And like you're, there's a whole bunch of life stuff that's also being thrown your way. Absolutely. And I think that's kind of, um, not undersold, but I think that that human part of that is huge. You know, it definitely plays a part in like, okay, now, okay, I go away from, well, I went to Creighton University and that's in Omaha, Nebraska. And, you know, I lived there for four years, spent a lot of yeah. time there, grew up, <laughs> became a person, an adult there. And that place, I like, I just leave that high and dry. Um, and so, you know, there are a lot of human aspects to, you know, getting drafted and, and playing affiliate baseball that, um that go kind of beyond the game you know definitely there are some adjustments to be made outside of the game and, and um, that's really cool that you brought that up had you been to vancouver before this season i had not did you because just speaking of life things like i'm just curious how that goes right you grow up you're american you get drafted by the only canadian team and then you're literally sent to vancouver to play high a ball did you have your passport together how much paperwork was involved like were you a little <laughs> bit uh discombobulated by the whole thing so luckily okay so my mom is from spain um and so yeah, i had my passport together luckily so i had all that stuff figured out i mean i know plenty of guys on the team that had to you know, figure out all their passport stuff. And <laughs> just it's just an absolute yeah. nightmare. You know, it's like <laughs> within a week, you got to go to the DMV and do all this stuff. It's just, just wild. But, but I, so I had that part of it figured out, but I was, I was really, really excited um, to play in Vancouver. Um, I enjoyed every moment of it. Um, the city is just absolutely wonderful. And, um, you know, you really can, it's funny because you can, you can actually feel the type of people that live there, the Canadian, you know, it's, it's something, it's, it's a thing in America. It's like, Oh, the Canadians are always just super nice and all that stuff. And it's actually true. You know, like, <laughs> it really is true. And Oh my gosh, it was, 
I loved it. I absolutely no, I can't can't stop talking about it whenever I'm asked about it because um, I just enjoyed it so much there, um, playing in front of the fans at Nat Bailey, the city of Vancouver itself on off days, um, the, the you know where we stayed at UBC. I mean, just there are just so many parts to that dynamic that I just enjoyed so much. So, yeah, it was really exciting when I got told that. I'm sure, and this is one thing that whenever we have guys on the show comes up over and over again, is just that when you go from the Florida State League, you're playing in front of pretty much nobody. Yeah. And then you go to Vancouver, and they're pretty much filling out Nat Bailey Stadium on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> No, they really are. Yeah. What was it like to all of a sudden have fans to all of a sudden be in what feels like a real professional kind of stadium and atmosphere? Yeah, well, I mean, I first want to say that I don't think I've ever played in an atmosphere like that with um, the fans kind of right on top of you and they're right there and they are so enthusiastic um, I had never experienced anything like that. Um, and it was, I mean, just so much fun. You know, you can, you can see why, you know, you're, we're sports fans, you know, we watch football games. It's like, Oh, who's the home team. Um, Cause they, you know, they probably have a better chance to win because of their fans. And it's like, yeah, you get that. But then you actually can experience that as a player. And you're like, wow, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um so I hadn't experienced anything like that. It was just so much fun. I mean, all the fans, and it's not even, I think what's, what's even better about that crowd was that it's not like they're rowdy, they're rowdy, but it, they're not rowdy in a sense of they're causing trouble. And they're just, you know, talking down on the other team. It's they're rowdy in their excitement for the game and the excitement of the players on the Vancouver Canadians baseball team. And so it's, it's a really, it was a really special experience. Obviously, the atmosphere isn't going to put up the numbers you put up. There's a bunch of hard work that went into you getting to a point where you're hitting for average, you're hitting doubles, you're getting on base, you're striking out less than you're walking. You had a really successful offensive season with Vancouver, but the crowd does play into this, right? Like there's just guys who rise to the occasion when there is that atmosphere. Did you feel that it did help your game having people to play for? Yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting. That part. It's almost like the, the unspoken, the, un, you, you, you can't, it's an unconscious thing is, is what I would say about it. It's hard to really pinpoint like, yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously you didn't, it's not like you try harder. It's not like you care more um, when there's a, a big, big crowd or anything like that. It's just really one of those unique, unique sets or unique things about the game. And that's why it's so cool and why people love it so much. Um, it kind of gets into the psychology of it, right? Like it's, it's not 100%. really a quantifiable thing, but absolutely, it, it, it's there. Uh, mm -hmm. speaking of that, and honestly, I haven't, let's talk the fact that Vancouver did go to the Pacific coast league finals. They won in the playoffs. You were a big part of that team to start with. 
were you texting and following along with with your pals and and your your former teammates as they did this and what is that like to even though as i'm sure it's super exciting you got called up to double a man like your personal trajectory yeah. that's where you want to be but then also is it kind of bittersweet to look at the team you were just with and be like man they're doing it <laughs> man you hit it right on the nose i mean you couldn't have been more accurate about that totally totally right you know stuck with them the whole season um i think what's really cool is is we had this really special team uh really you know a really tight-knit group which is you know, from everything that I've heard about professional baseball, Philly baseball is something that you don't always get. You know, it's mm-hmm. not always easy to create that kind of culture, that type of, um, you know, the way the team feels about each other. Um, and so because of that, you know, when I did go up to double A, I did, you know, I, you know, I would watch their game after our game. You know, yeah. it's like, I'm done with my game. Now it's time for my other game. You know, it's it's almost like I was I was basically just a super fan of the Vancouver Canadians once yeah. I got called once I got to New Hampshire. Um, and so you're totally right. There was a little bit of bittersweet, like, oh man, I, you know, can't the can't the can I get sent down to just for the playoffs? Like, can I just go back <laughs> for the playoffs? Um, uh, which obviously is just would never happen, but yeah, it was it was it was bittersweet to see that to not have been there, but it was really, really great to see that they were able to finish it off. And, you know, the teammates that I had that were still there, like that they could finish the season because I think, I think everyone in that, on that team, around that team deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was really great to see that they, they finished it off. Yeah. They really stepped up and it was, it mm-hmm. was cool too. And, and it's funny because, even as a fan watching, you could tell that there was a real cohesiveness to that team. And I love that you brought up that there isn't always that cohesiveness Mm -hmm. in minor Mm -hmm. league ball. And honestly, to no blame to the players. I mean, everyone is so focused on personal development. That's the way the organizations are lined up. It's not really about winning. It's far more about moving these guys' trajectory forward. But I am curious how much because you're all competitors still, right? Like winning and losing still matters. Even if you're trying to like compartmentalize and be like, Oh, well, you know, I only struck out once in the last few games. Like, obviously I'm doing well. Uh, How much do affiliate playoffs matter to you? Yeah, I think, well, unfortunately, well, okay. We played with an affiliate and playoffs in Dunedin. Um, Mm -hmm didn't get to play any this year. I think it matters a whole lot because, you know, you kind of, what's cool is that, you know, the statistics are different, especially after a full season of hard work and you've, you've, you know, you've gotten to this point with your, your stats and, you know, maybe some people would, would love an extra week if they're going hot, right. That the, yeah. the, the stats that are printed right on the front of your page are, are a little <laughs> bit better, but they're different statistics for individuals. The the postseason statistics are different. And so you can kind of, that part of it maybe fall, just falls away a little bit. And you just turn into, you turn into a baseball player again, trying to win a game. And um, I think there's a, a lot of value in that for, for players and for organizations. I think it kind of creates a culture of winning around people. When you get back, like when you when we get back to spring training next spring, the Vancouver Canadians, the players were on that team that finished that off, they were the champions. Mm-hmm. They they did their job 
relative to their situation, their level, the best. Um, and so, you know, you kind of, if, and if you, that starts happening over and over with, you know, within an organization, you know, you start building players that have just that expectation. And so I think, I think that it should mean a whole lot to, to players and, and it surely would mean a whole lot to me if, um, I did get the opportunity to play in one. Um, but yeah, uh, I can't, uh, losing my track, but yeah. Well, no, should, it, should I get what important. you're saying. Like it is super important and it, it is such a funny dichotomy between, yes, there's a, definitely a mentality, a culture that is built when you get the opportunity to play in the playoffs, when you get an opportunity to win with your team. But then there's also that other side of things where it's like, yeah, but how's your swing plane look? Are are you getting the exit yeah. velo you're after? You know, like there are these other side of things. So it is really interesting to hear you talk about Absolutely. it like that. Um, yeah. When you got the call up to double A, Alan, did you see it coming? I did. Um, yeah. I think for me, I had a pretty good feeling about um, where I was at and kind of, you know, it had gotten to a point where, you know, the things that I had learned in, in high A were, I wasn't growing on them. And that was an internal thing. I hadn't, of course, I hadn't said that to anyone in the Blue Jays organization. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm done here. Move me up. Like, obviously, you can't, <laughs> you can't, not how you it can't works. say exactly. that. No, not how it works. But I'm you know, ready, I, coach. <laughs> <laughs> right. You'd have everyone in AAA or the big leagues, right? That's true. But I think, I think, um, for me, the the performance had the, were the, the, the things that I was doing on the field were correlating with that feeling. I think I was ready to move up in terms of my, you know, this the scalability and then also you know the mental side of things is is when those two things line up, um, you're ready to go. And I think too, you know, obviously the 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 guys that run things in the Blue Jays are they're smart and they they've done this for a long time. And so they, they, they can kind of see that too in players. So I wasn't really surprised. I think I was, I think I was a little bit surprised on how quickly it happened. I thought it was going to take a little bit longer. I thought I was going to get like a month or so in double a, give me a good, good taste of it. Um, but you know, I was lucky to, to have it happen a little bit earlier and mm. um, just really, you know, grateful that for the opportunity that it, it you know, it kind of matched up, perfectly for me what's the atmosphere difference between playing in vancouver and new hampshire yeah to be honest with you completely honest you know you go from just an incredible crowd incredible atmosphere in vancouver to manchester where you know obviously the numbers are less um mm -hmm. the field's a little bit different you know i think that actually plays a pretty big role is Nat Bailey, the way it's situated, it's it's really neat. It's like almost like they're watching on top of you, and so and then you go to to Manchester, which is more traditional, like low, like they have that the low bowl, um, and you know the crowds just aren't as big, and the fans are you know less rowdy. They 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 aren't as um, you know, they don't feed off each other as much as it would happen in Vancouver. And so, you know, there is a fairly big difference in, in atmosphere between the two. Um, mainly, mainly do, I would say mainly because of the, just the stadium and, and the sheer number of, of fans. 
That is really interesting. Uh, I do want to I do want to kind of take a left turn here, Alan, and just talk a little bit of the you you brought up the mental side of the game and just uh, what a huge part that is. Mm-hmm. And I know that we had a live podcast in Toronto in September, and we were very lucky that uh, Jay Jackson and Davis Schneider from the Jays actually came down and and yeah, participated in the show, and it was really cool. But one thing that uh, Davis Schneider mentioned that really stood out to me was it, and it was such an offhanded comment, man, because he was just kind of like we were talking about his hot streak, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was literally putting up the best numbers ever mm-hmm. in the history of Major League Baseball in that span. <laughs> and he was so, um, it was again, just a very offhanded comment about luck. And just, he, he basically was like, yeah, well, I mean, there's so much more luck in baseball than anyone wants to actually admit to. And that you're just trying to put yourself in the best situation to succeed when Lady Luck kind of swings your way. Do you feel similarly? Like, is is luck a bigger part of baseball than maybe anyone really wants to bring up? (laughs) I think, so I would agree that there is a lot of luck in, but I want to say that it's luck and that's how, some baseball players which i would actually include myself in that it's how some baseball players choose to interpret what happens on the field and so david schneider he considers his magical run as a newly newly whatever professional baseball player in the big leagues he considers it luck well you know i watch it and i just see someone who's absolutely raking and is earning every single thing every single moment of it and so he 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 chooses to to take to internalize it as luck, um, and and I would I would be like Davis, it's not luck. You're really good. now so. is part of it to attribute it to luck. Make it just so that when things happen the other way, right, that you can also attribute it to luck. Because I mean, baseball, you just it's such a slump and uh, boom and bust sport like there's probably no other sport where it's boom and bust quite like baseball so attributing your good side to luck does it make it just kind of easier to psychologically deal with it when you're in a slump definitely i mean it's never my fault whether it's good or bad (laughs) it's never my fault (laughs) and 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 maybe that's that's the way it's just the, the game it wasn't i i didn't get that hit that well i was just lucky to run into it on time and it's not my fault that i grounded out I not my fault so definitely just just the psychology of of coming to the field every day and and living with yourself with whatever happens I think it's a really that's a really cool thing that he kind of just said offhand because you're you're really getting into like the meat of like what it takes you have to what mentally you have to convince yourself as a baseball player uh that's really that's really cool short memory eh that's the way Mm -hmm. um would love to hear your opinion on base stealing and one of the reasons i wanted to bring this up with you is that you're not a blinding speed guy you know you've you've Mm -hmm. got some wheels but you're not a guy that you know when you start ranking the blue jays organization for tops top speed you're not in that top 10 percent but you are swiping your fair share of bases what Mm -hmm. is that mentality like what are you looking for 
when you decide you're going to take that extra 90 feet? Is it something that the pitcher's doing? Is it the situation? Is it everything all together? What, when Alan Rodon gets on first base, what is making you go, you know what, I'm going to go for it here? Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's got to be one of the more complex things in the way that I play the game. I'm a very, I think I'm a very like situated player in most things, but stealing bases is kind of one, one of those things I use as feel. I really go off of feel and that, that includes, you know, well, let's see, let me see if I can try to break this down. That includes the call, the catcher that's playing. If we know him for having a reputation of having arms or we're playing an organization that has a reputation for having catchers that have great arms, like the Phillies, they Mm -hmm. love catchers with huge arms. So I got to be careful is the pitcher, you know, how quickly is the pitcher going? That might be the biggest thing is the pitcher is his, is his move to home. Is it within my range of being able to take a base? Um, If he's not, I'm not going. I'll tell you that right now because I can't take any risks like that. I'll just get out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I don't have the speed. I'm not blazed. I can't go without a perfect jump. And if, if, if he's too quick, I can't go. And so that's, that's probably one of the big ones, the situation of the game that'll take the, that'll depend a lot. If it's early in the game, um, you know, who's up, have we, you know, had some success on this pitcher would a big 90 would 90 feet matter a lot. You know, mm-hmm. um, is he, is he a little bit wild and maybe he'll just spike one in the dirt so I can move up anyway, like, or is he commanding the zone? So then I'll have to take it the 90 by stealing it. Um, there, so there are a lot of like different details and different things that go into that decision of, of taking a base or not. Um, the count too, obviously is huge. I think a lot of my stolen bases this year were, I'll call them uncompetitive stolen bases. And what I mean by uncompetitive is it, it, it didn't draw a throw because the pitch wasn't good enough for the catcher to even warrant throwing. Yeah. And so you can kind of, you can kind of combine that cerebral part of the game of knowing the situation, knowing who's back there, knowing who's on, on the mound, knowing the count. And then you match that with, you know, some, I mean, I play a lot of baseball I, I, in the summers that I played between um, college baseball seasons, just basically all I did was steal bases and just trying to learn, you know, when to go pick up little things on pitchers that helped me get a little bit of a better jump. And so you kind of combine the, the cerebral part with, with a lot of practice, I would say, and, and, and taking risks and, and trying to steal bases, um, and you, you can you can have more success than you probably should. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's just by being heads up, you know, just like, by just by being heads up. Mm-hmm. It, I do love that this is something that you are bringing into your game and that you have put so much time and concentration on because it's honestly a part of the game that is obviously being pushed right now in Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. the bigger bases the taking away the the pickoff moves from the pitchers you know like this is a part of the game that MLB is obviously trying to grow and so kind of picking up on that because this is one thing that uh Adam my co-host and I have talked about numerous times where you kind of see trends in baseball uh based on how guys are getting paid right you know Mm -hmm. if you're going to get paid to hit dingers obviously 
hitting dingers is going to be something you're working on. If you're going to get paid to steal bases, that's something that the effort's going to be put into. And it has been kind of a long time since baseball really put an emphasis on stolen bases. And it's just one of my favorite parts of the game. So I love to see it. Yeah, it's really one of the cool parts of of and it adds a whole lot. It helps adds a whole new dimension of being a player. It's like okay, you have defense and offense, or defense and hitting. What's the in between? I mean, there's got to be more to the game than that, right? And then mm-hmm. there's base running. Like that is its own separate thing. And I've always had my career. I've always had coaches that have really, really harped on being a good aggressive base runner, and um. It's really, it's actually really cool to see that the, you know, the MLB starting to, you know, um, prioritize that. I think that's yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, curious how much you follow your numbers, and I only asked because even when I mentioned it off the top, you were like, "Okay, well, good. They're they sound like good numbers." Are you following your numbers or are you just kind of picking up what they're throwing up on the scoreboard here and there? Or do you actually dig in a little bit deeper on the numbers and use them to try and uh, get better at certain areas? Yeah, I think um, for me <clears throat> during a season, I try not to pay too much Because it can be a them. distraction, right? If you're diving Absolutely. in too deep. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of start playing the game with yourself about, I mean, okay. Everybody tracks, you know, like for the day, you know, I, I, I'm over four. I need one hit or otherwise I'm over five. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Everyone does that. Okay. I, that happens. But, you know, I think when you get home and you start staring at your, your stats and you're like, Oh, this is so good. Or even worse. Oh, this is so bad. You start to, you start to get yourself a little bit too high or a little bit too low. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, just staying even keeled all the way is is always the best possible route. And so trying to avoid doing that um, is is usually what I how I go about my business. I mean, obviously, a little bit more of the analytical numbers, some of the things that kind of can come back to, well, what things can I improve upon? I mean, those are things I'll always look at, especially like during an off season or when I'm really have some time to write um to when you're d- not right in the that. thick of it yeah exactly exactly because at the end of the day you know you want to be able to you want to be able to play freely and without any weight of you know like are my stats good enough or am i dropping my stats too much today or you know because then it's just adds it just makes it too hard it's already hard you can't make it harder so defensively you played most of your reps in right and left field in 2023 mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you look at your defensive metrics and defensively you're pretty equal at both positions is there one that you prefer and what are the major differences between playing left and right field because I'm sure there are differences that you're kind of keeping in your mind as you go out there and take the field yeah I think I prefer right field um, just purely because I I feel like you get I mean, you get more plays in right field Um, because you think about it. I mean, lefties like pulling the ball and righties like hitting it the other yeah. way, especially for power. Um, And so, I mean, you have your right-handed hitters that pull the ball for power, but they're more likely to hit, hit a fly ball over your head than maybe a lefty is. So um, I think I just, I think I just feel a little bit, 
I feel a little bit better when I'm in right field. There's not really a good answer for that. I just feel a little yeah. bit better, but I yeah. do feel evenly comfortable in both positions. Um, and I honestly think I feel that way because I, I don't see too much of a difference. There are lots of differences in terms of how, how to play baseballs and how the ball flight occurs at different, yeah. the two different spots. And other guys will tell you that they do see a big difference. Um, but for me, um, the way I, the way I see it, the way I've played it, it's fairly similar. It's just, you just kind of flip, flip the, the, the side of the coin almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you been to Toronto yet? I've not. You have not saving that for saving that for a good special time. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully can only hope. Uh, growing up in Wisconsin, were you a Brewers fan? Brewers fan. Yeah. yeah. Did you have mm -hmm. a favorite player? So obviously Ryan Braun okay, and, yeah, and Prince course. and Prince Fielder. I was, so I actually, Prince Fielder was my favorite. Um, I was always number 28 growing up. Um, obviously my Instagram handle is Alan Roden 28. Yeah. Um, for Prince Fielder and obviously left-handed hitter and he hit home runs and that was super fun to watch. So Prince Fielder was my, was my uh, favorite brewer. I love that. I actually loved Prince Fielder too. And th mm -hmm. th that's the thing with the Brewers. They're probably my second favorite team because I've, I've, you know, I'm all encompassed in Toronto Blue Jays fandom, but mm -hmm. the Brewers are a nice, safe national league team that doesn't mess things up for Toronto very often. And they're the small uh -huh. market kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> underdog team that is just fun yeah, to watch. Sure. So, yeah. That makes sense actually. Yeah. I mean, you basically just, the Brewers, my favorite team growing up, never really amounts to anything, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's sports fandom, man. <laughs> okay, so uh, before we get into some Canadian trivia and some listener questions, I do have um, one last question for you, and it, it is a pretty broad question, so you feel free to take this in whatever direction that you want. But what was the best piece of advice you've ever got when it comes to baseball? And whether that's an on-the-field thing, a psychological thing, however you want to take this, is there one piece of information that maybe was imparted to you at some point along your travels where you just found something clicking in your head and you were like, oh, man, if I do that or if I think this way, it's definitely going to make life easier on me? Yeah. And that it really is a um a loaded question because there are so many different angles. Yeah. Um I think I think for me the th one of the things that I carry with me the most is something that my my college baseball coach at Creighton University said, um coach Ed Service. And I think this would go for you know anything you do in life is you know some basically the 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 gist of it is don't be, don't be afraid to give, give your entire, your, your all into something just on the chance it won't work out. Meaning some people don't give everything they have to something because they're afraid it won't work out in the end. And mm -hmm. I think that goes perfectly for, you know, professional baseball. It's because, you know, it's hard to make the big leagues. Yeah. And everyone knows that, but that doesn't, that shouldn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't give it 
everything you have. And so I think I that's love that. something, I think that's something that I carry with me a lot, like every day. I love that, man. I love that. I make my uh, living as a professional stand-up comic and I really relate to that because it's, mm -hmm. it is a grind and mm -hmm. you are going to fail and there are going to be setbacks and there are going to be times where you're just like, maybe this is the stupidest idea I've ever had. Right. But yep. it, it is, it is one of those things where if you don't give it your all, you're always, it's, it's going to eat at you. You're always going to know that inside. Leave it you're out there. Know. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I'm with you. All right. You've spent almost six months in Vancouver. Not quite, but I feel like you, you know, have some Canadian knowledge at this point. That's what we're hoping here. So we're going to throw oh, some man. Canadian questions at you and see how you do here. I've got six of them. We're, we're hoping you at least get 50% of them, Alan. All right. All right. I got to get three. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> Toronto is in what Canadian province? Ontario. Nailed it. Good start. Look at that. Starting strong. When you went, mm, I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say no. I was gonna be like, oh my gosh, the most basic <laughs> question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what city does the NHL team, the Flames, play in? Calgary. Yes. Look at you. You're really. We're one away there. Okay. So the last. I think time I know that. Toronto... I I know that. Because I watched a random NHL playoff game between the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames yeah. last which year. Which would have been which would have been all encompassing in Western Canada, right? Because they're like the <laughs> exactly. Battle of Alberta and everyone's like, Yeah, I love that. Exactly. Okay. So the last time the Toronto Blue Jays went to the American League Championship series was in which year? Ooh. Okay, they had those back to back championships. They had to have made it after then. Was that the Jose Bautista year with yes. Donaldson? Oh, boy, I don't know. 2013. 2016. But okay. the fact you knew the team... You you should get some bonus points for that. So <laughs> right now, you're, you've, you've, got, you've got two out of three here. Three to go. Uh, Canadian Larry Walker was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2020. What Canadian Major League Baseball team did he play for from 1989 to 1994? Oh, the Expos. There you go. Nice. Larry Walker, at... Canadian yeah. hero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see if your stint in Vancouver, you got into any uh, any greasy food you maybe shouldn't have. What's the Canadian delicacy of fries, cheese, curds, and gravy called? Poutine. Did you try some poutine when you were in Vancouver? I did. I did. It. It's okay. I don't okay. kind of anger. <laughs> I'm going to anger some people saying that. <laughs> I I just don't know if I like gravy that much, and I like fries, <laughs> and I feel like the gravy is just kind of whatever. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Other people yeah, that love you're poutine like, you're walking it back you're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> the canadians will come after me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right alan last one so far you're sitting at four out of five a very respectable score good, the last yeah. one is what is the official national animal for canada okay okay so somebody 
I'm going to answer geese. Okay. I don't I don't know if that's the the Vancouver's animal or if that's the Canadian animal. So Canada's both. national an- animal is actually the beaver. But Okay. Canadian goose. I mean, you're 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 right in the you're right in the realm here, Alan. You're you know, we're you're there. in the you're they're up there exactly. <laughs> well, we'll say you got a four cool. and a half out of six here, so that's pretty darn good. We'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, how are you on time, man? I've got three listener questions. Do you can you stick around for a few minutes? Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Awesome. All right. So this first one is from Samantha, and she messaged us on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now, and she says, "Hey, Alan, love you're doing the podcast. Uh, what was your draft experience like?" Were you with all your family and friends? Did you know you were going to Toronto? So I actually wasn't with a lot of my family. Um, I was in, so I was playing in the Cape Cod League after my senior season at Creighton. And I I basically wanted to play up there um, because it's got a, it's such a highly regarded league and to be able to have that experience. Um, to say that I played in Cape Cod League, you know, I think that's something that I'll take with me for the rest of my rest yeah. of my life. And it was it was one of those those cool things. And so I was with I was with my dad and my my girlfriend, um, at actually at my host parents' house. Um, so a little bit of a of a unique situation there in terms of draft experience. Um, but I would I mean obviously it was still one of the coolest days. I've yeah. ever had and and one a really unique really unique day um even now looking back at it a, a, basically a year and a half later it's I don't think I'll have another day like that um it was really unique and I did not I did not know it was for sure the Blue Jays I mean I know that I knew obviously that they were one of the teams that were interested and you know you also have you, you kind of have a short list of teams that you you really yeah. know are really interested um uh, didn't know for sure and you know, just kind of shocked almost when it happened when it did. And, but obviously, you know, things have, have only been really good with the Blue Jays and just really, really grateful um, to have been picked by such a great organization. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a unique experience, but, but really a, a great one still. That's very cool, man. That's very cool. Uh, Warren messaged us in our discord and he said, Hey, Alan, I actually saw you play in Vancouver this May. I love coming to games at Nat Bailey Stadium so much. Did you enjoy your time in Vancouver? Did you explore the city at all? And I know you kind of touched on that a bit already. <laughs> I'll talk about it some more. I loved it that much. Uh, yes, I, I loved my time in Vancouver. It was, again, it was the city is amazing. Um, I mean, the, the, the atmosphere of the field was amazing. Uh, the, the, you know, even even the littlest of things of just walking around the UBC campus and just like in the mornings going to get coffee, you know, kind of feel like yeah. a college student again. And you're like, <laughs> right, because because I, I, you know, I was in college for four years and academics were a huge part of my life. And so that part of me was, you know, kind of I got to do it again and it felt yeah. it was awesome. So scratching it uh, you had. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so overall, it was just all amazing. I did get to explore a little bit. Um, probably 
you know, basically as much as you can when you play six days a week and you have one day off day. And usually that off day is, you know, you're spent traveling somewhere else. And and so <clears throat> it wasn't like a vacation in Vancouver, but it was it was time spent. And that time was was really wonderful. So last question uh, comes from Deb from our Patreon. And she says, can you guys ask Alan what made him choose baseball over other sports? And what would his second choice for sports be if he wasn't playing ball right now? Hmm. That's a new one. I haven't been asked that question ever in all the time nice. I've ever done any interview. So great, great <laughs> question. <nailing> here. <laughs> um, well, part of me wants to just say I wasn't athletic enough to play any other sport because <laughs> the only – the only other sport I played in high school was basketball and I am not tall enough to play basketball <laughs> nor can't jump high enough. Definitely not like quick enough. So I kind of had my, my choice made for me in that way. I did play soccer growing up again. My mom's from Spain. And so obviously grew up with a little bit of soccer blood in me and mm -hmm. I love watching soccer. Um, I think it's a really cool, really cool game that I would have loved to play in high school. It just didn't work out. Um, so maybe I, in another life, it would have been soccer, but it was always baseball, realistically. Always um, baseball, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Honestly, Alan, I've so enjoyed chatting baseball with you, buddy. Like, uh, we'll have to twist your arm and, and get you back on here. Uh, maybe as spring training's coming around, but all the best in the off season. Uh, we're rooting for you and, uh, take care of yourselves. Enjoy your holiday season and all that good stuff. Thank you very much. It's been fun. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.